0: Henrikus, Executive Director of Sisters in Crime. This week on the podcast, I'm happy to welcome Barbara Ross. Barbara is the author of the Maine Clambake Mysteries and the Jane Darrowfield Mysteries. Her books have been nominated for multiple Agatha Awards for Best Contemporary Novel and have won the Maine Literary Award for Crime Fiction. Barb's main clan bike novellas are included along with stories by Leslie Meyer and Lee Hollis in holiday anthologies from Kensington Publishing. Barb and her husband live in Portland, Maine. Welcome to the podcast, Barb. Thanks, Julie. Um, I am so happy to talk to you today about being a writer and what that means for you and what your journey has been like. Uh, Can you just, when was the moment where you said to yourself, I want to write a book?
1: I always was interested in writing and I always wrote. I was the kind of kid who wrote and illustrated stories when I was in elementary school, but I didn't seriously think about writing longer term fiction until I was in my early 40s, and I actually took a year off from work, and at that point, it became the now or never, if not now, when type of question, Uh, so that's when I wrote my first novel.
0: And was that a crime
1: novel? It was. I had... Um, in the 80s, in the mid-80s, really come home to mystery. I was a mystery reader early. I was a Nancy True girl. I was an Agatha Christie girl. I was a mm-hmm. Dorothy L. Sayers girl. And then I had drifted away during college and young adulthood. But in the mid-80s, I came home with a vengeance to P.D. Rende- James and Ruth Randall and Um, was back in the mainstream of mystery. And I love series. So I knew that if I was going to write a, a novel, it was going to be a mystery.
0: And did you start taking classes or how did you just how did you work on your craft when you you started to say now or
1: never? So I took a intro course at the Boston Center for Adult Education intro to mystery writing. The teacher was, I think, the second or third president of Sisters in Crime New England, Dane Lamb. And in my class, also a novice mystery writer, was Hank Phillippe Ryan. That's where we met. Oh. yeah. Um, and then I used that class and the pages I had um, created for that class to talk my way into an advanced class the next semester at the Cambridge Center for Adult Education. So even though you were supposed to have a prerequisite, um, I did not, but they let me in. And that class was taught by another great New England female mystery author, Barbara Shapiro. Wow. Yeah.
0: So there's, (laughs) that's Education. Yeah, those are two great classes. Yeah. so, you know, as you're developing your craft as a writer, uh, you know, we all become sponges with where we're learning and we're listening and we're reading and we're talking to people. You know, what is the best piece of writing advice you got and what is the worst piece of writing advice you got?
1: So in my opinion, the worst pieces of writing advice, plural, always start with the phrase, you can't be a writer if. You can't be a writer if you don't get up at 6 a.m. and write your morning pages. You can't be a writer if you don't write every day. You can't be a writer if you don't outline. You can't be a writer if you do outline. And the hidden message or the not so hidden message in all of this is you can't be a writer if. And I feel like all of those kinds of pronouncements are intended to fence you out and that you should never believe any of them that you need to write in a way that works for you.
0: Yeah, that's a great, uh, great
1: thing to think about. What's the best piece of advice you've gotten? I've just never gotten any better advice than Hallie Efron's: hold your nose and write. <laughs> <laughs> particularly these are be first straps. I, you know, I say it to myself, Many times during the creation of a first draft.
0: Well, so tell us a little bit about your process, your writing process and that first draft.
1: <laughs> well, I don't love first drafts. I love, love revising. I love the sort of creation you do prior to getting those first words on the page. But I don't love the first draft. So my, I set a word count goal for every day. And I sit there until I reach it. Sometimes I know I'm gonna have to chuck some of what I wrote, but um, that's the only thing that gets me through is having that shorter term goal. A long time ago, a friend changed my life um, by telling me that I made my chunks too big. So that by thinking about a goal of like writing a novel, you were just making yourself miserable and making it impossible to you to succeed. And so he convinced me and I've run my life and my to-do list like this ever since to make my chunks much smaller so that you get that sense of accomplishment at the end of every day. So that's how I get through first drafts. I don't really have to push myself through revisions. I do sort of set page count goals. You know, I'm going to get to 20 pages today, but if I run into a place where a whole scene is missing or something and I don't make it, it's it's not nearly the crisis because I'm I'm being pulled through. I'm not pushing myself through
0: and and as part of your process do you believe in writer's block or do you ever encounter writer's block
1: you know i hear people say things like well plumbers don't get plumbers block which i really find insulting to both plumbers and writers Uh, You know, if I was moving gas, people's gas lines around and um, I'd have a little performance anxiety from time to time when I encountered something I hadn't seen before and wasn't sure about. And I think, you know, all fields have performance anxiety and in our field, we just happen to have a name for it, but it's a perfectly normal part of any in humor and human endeavor that you're pushing yourself through that's worth fighting for. So I do believe in writer's block. I believe there are strategies for dealing with it, just there are strategies for dealing with performance anxiety. But I absolutely believe in writer's block.
0: And do you feel like over the course of your career, you've developed more of those strategies for, for dealing with it or, you know, learned new tricks, as it were?
1: guess so I think you know it's very much learning to be willing to be bad that the only way through it is having a willingness to be bad and that part of you that um is such a great reader and so admires great works of literature and compares your crummy first drafts to those. Um, it can just stop you in your tracks. So you have to be willing to be bad, um, and that's not something that comes naturally to me at all. <laughs> For my current work in progress, I'm um, work. I've been interviewing a lot of potters. And pottery is just heartbreaking. I mean, you you open the kiln and it's either Christmas morning or everything you have done might be in there. And um, when you're talking to real commercial potters who sell a lot, um, they can't sell you a stack of plates that does, you know, they, they lose even more. Um, and they all talk about how, What a great um, profession it is to learn to deal with loss and failure and failure and failure, um, way even more than us. So that's been very instructive for me.
0: I know that you love research and, and you do a ton of research and find your way into the story. I mean, you're writing a long running series, uh, um, right. you know, your main clan bike series. So can you tell, tell us a little bit about that process? Because you, you immersed yourself in whatever world or whatever hook you found for that story. Um, yeah. So I,
1: that's really for my comfort. Um, as much as the readers, I really want to understand the essence of a world. So I'm sure there are little facts all over the place that are wrong in my books. Um, And I can't really walk in the shoes of many of the people whose professions I portray and my God, I would be the world's worst potter. I mean, my hand, aside from the fact that throwing tons of stuff away wouldn't work for me, my eye-hand foot coordination, I mean, takes me back to sewing class in eighth grade, which still gives me nightmares. So um, I can't really do the things that, the, I can't walk in the shoes of, of my characters, but I want to get their worlds right. And that's what just the feel of their worlds right, and that's what gives me the confidence to to write about them. And I really need that that confidence. i'm I'm fine with making things up absolutely out of whole cloth in terms of story. But in terms of the world, i I want to feel like, okay, I get this. I get these people, um, I get these physical activities, I get these mental processes
0: so interesting that's you know so as i mentioned the main main clan series um, you're working on book 10, ten yeah. in the series the hand in book 10 um and you know what's your what's the biggest surprise in your publishing journey Ooh,
1: so many <laughs> <laughs> you know i really the my biggest surprise, I'm glad, was a surprise. And I think for me, the biggest surprise in this series has been how incredibly important that first book was and how incredibly important um, my protagonist was in as she presents herself in that first book. And I think if I had known that, talk about writer's block. I'm not sure either of those things would have gotten in, but that first book, um, still sells the best of any of them still sells a lot. And it really was the, if that hadn't been, um, enjoyable by so many people the series would not have gone to ten there's no question so that really surprised me because I myself will give a series like two or three books you know just the way when you're watching TV you say ah oh, that's the pilot you know <laughs> give it another shot you know so I'm not a reader like that
0: <laughs> and what what do you do you think it's um, the Thoughtfulness on the world building or the complexity of the character are there things about that first book as people are are working on them, um, and that your first main clambake wasn't your first book you'd written was that helpful the fact that you'd already done this before? Yeah, so it was
1: actually the third book I'd written. Um, my first book was a traditional mystery with a professional sleuth protagonist that was published. And then I had written a book in between um, that book and when I started the Clambake book that was published much later. Um, But it was the third book I had actually written. And and that definitely makes a a difference. I mean, the whole, you know, spend 10,000 hours to mastery of something is, there's truth in that. Um, It's not like, there's any formula you can reproduce and it's not like you sit down any day with confidence. When you go on, you're still like, what am I doing? And if you um, do things too many times, then you're bored, then you change it up again. So it's not like it gets easier, but um, it you do get better at it. It's, yes, it's not like it gets easier, but you do get better at it. I don't know the answer to your question. I think that the challenge of writing is that you do have to display. It's like riding a bicycle. You have to steer and balance and know where you're going and break. And um, writing is like that. So I think it's the world. It's the protagonist. It's the mystery. Um It's all of that that combines to make a book um, enjoyable or not enjoyable.
0: And, you know, our writing journey and our publishing journeys are two different journeys. And so, you know, your writing journey, you can define your success and and frankly, finishing a book, no matter what happens to it, is a moment to celebrate. But your publishing journey um, is the business side. And so how's that been that transition into that business side? Because you know, you did launch the clambake um series well and and thought about that business side as well. So so how you know what's that
1: that brain, that part of your brain like? You know, that's a really interesting question. I've really, to some extent, and in some ways enjoyed the business side. I was in business before I was a writer, and it definitely satisfies that part of me that still enjoys um, looking at audiences, looking at markets, looking at data, um, and figuring things out, making plans, you know, all that sort of thing. I, I really enjoy that. It, on the other hand, I was completely unprepared um, for my publishing journey because publishing is a business like no other um, because um, I'd never ever sold anything to consumers or to bookstores or to libraries. So I didn't have a clue what that was about, Um, but you are very much as an author, a sole proprietor. And much as you have a team of an editor and a publisher and an agent, um, and in my case, I have also a friend who reviews my books before they go to my editor and all, much as you have a team around you, and I have an assistant who helps with social media, nobody cares about your career as much as you do. And that's, um, you know, so you're very much on your own in, in some ways and in, in particularly when it comes to big decisions.
0: What do you wish you knew sooner about the publishing part?
1: <laughs> um, that's a really good question. I think it would have been helpful To know what was important and what wasn't important, and what to worry about and what not to worry about. I always tell people that I believe you can outrun your publisher's distribution model by 10 to 15% by being an effective marketer, but the appeal, you cannot outrun the appeal of your book to its audience, plus the distribution of your publisher. So therefore, don't make yourself miserable. Like you said, if you write a book, how many people do you know who have said, oh, I'd love to write a book? You actually wrote a damn book. Enjoy it, have fun with it, celebrate it. And the same if you publish a book, no matter what happens because I believe there's only so much you can do at that point. Don't make yourself miserable.
0: Yeah. That's great advice for life in general, but I think (laughs) definitely for, for this journey. Um, So you are currently on the national board of sisters in crime. And um, can you talk about sisters in crime? Like when did you join and how did you find it? Um, What
1: role it's played? As I mentioned, two of my mentors coming up, Dane Lamb and Barbara Shapiro, were very early um, organizers of Sisters in Crime New England, which is my chapter and is a particularly strong chapter and one of which I'm very happy to be affiliated and very proud. So I remember going to an organizing meeting at Barbara Shapiro's house. so early on, I barely knew what was going on. Um, But then I wrote that first book and then I got super busy with my day job and my kids and my life and drifted out of it and only came back to Sisters in Crime maybe 10 years later. But um, I believe Sisters in Crime is the reason I've stuck. Sisters in Crime plus my writers group, those two organizations, are the reason I'm here. They're the reason I stuck to it. They're the reason I have 13 published books. Um, Without Sisters in Crime and without my writers group, I can't imagine either of any of those things would have happened. So I am eternally grateful to Sisters in Crime. To me, the main part of Sisters in Crime is the community. The people I've met, the advice they've so freely and generously given me. The blurbs they wrote on my first book, the, I mean, everyone's just been so lovely and I appreciate it. And I do try to um, pay it back um, or pay it forward actually whenever I can.
0: Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Community makes all the difference even when you write all by yourself. Uh, having people who can understand your journey helps a lot
1: and having people who are ahead of you and down the next road uh, because publishing is so mysterious and writing is as i said such a conglomeration of so many skill sets it's just invaluable it really
0: is it's a great organization um, so Barb, what are you reading right now? Do you read when you're writing a
1: first draft? I do. I do read when I'm writing. I, um, I read for research. So I've just been reading two fabulous books about the women photographers of, at National Geographic. Um, there wow. have only been four staff women over the course of the, you know, now probably 140 year history of the organization. Wow. As opposed to 50 men. Uh, but there've also been a slew of women freelancers again, in very small proportion to the men. I mean, it's a, it's a choice. It's a choice to live that nomadic life. Um, and that, those are fabulous. So the, I'm reading those right now for, for research. I'm kind of wishing my book was set even earlier, like in the early 1900s, because those women were just unbelievable. Um, but I'm also reading for a panel. I'm moderating a panel at the Main Crime Wave, and um, on it, I just finished... For it, I just finished Paul Dwaran's June book, and now I'm reading Lou Burney's November Road and Still to Come books by Tess Gerritsen, uh, Carla Neggers, and Isabella Maldonado. So that's what I'm doing. So I am reading a a lot of fiction.
0: No, that's a a wonderful group of (laughs) books to be reading.
1: It's It's a virtual conference this year, so... Uh, we had pretty strong feedback uh, from a member survey we did that they didn't wanna see the same old faces of which I am uh, one, but I'm the moderator. Um, So this Zoom thing, which people don't love in terms of the social part of the conference, at least gives us an opportunity to open it up to different authors that our audience may not be able to see on a regular basis except for Tess Gerritsen and Paul Dorn are from Maine, but the others are not.
0: Oh, that's exciting. And when is Maine um, crime? June 6th,
1: June 5th, June June 5th, June 5th. 5th.
0: Um, And so what's next for you? You're working on book 10, but you've got, um, you had a book that came out and you've got a novella coming out. Is
1: that right? Right, right. So I'm shortly to hand in book 10. I have a contract for, Uh, 11 and 12, so I will be starting on 11 fairly soon after I hand in 10. I have a novella coming out in a collection with Leslie Meyer and Lee Hollis on August 31st, Halloween Party Murder, which was a book I... I love working in that shorter novella length. My novels are always too short anyway. Um, I would say my novels are too short and my short stories are too long. So the novella length is, is really a sweet spot for me. Um, Halloween Party Murder. And then at the end of the year, December 28th, my book, Jane Darrowfield and the Mad Woman Next Door goes into wide release. It was originally published as a Barnes & Noble exclusive. So, that's what's up with me.
0: That's a lot that's up with you. <laughs> so if there if when you talk to uh emerging writers or um you know folks on this journey, what's what's the piece of advice that you give them that you wish someone had given you?
1: Ooh, that's a, I mean there's so much advice that I would give them. Um, but I always tell them a few things. I always tell them to read by, bird by bird and Stephen King's on writing. If they are mystery authors, I always tell them to join Sisters in Crime. If they are main authors, I always tell them to join Main Writers and Publishers Association. And if they're Boston. Environ's authors, I always tell them to join Grub Street or affiliate themselves with Grub Street in Boston. So part of it is learn your craft and part of it is learn your world. I guess that's really what I intend to tell people when I advise them to join these groups, like understand your new environment. meet people and talk to them because that's the only way you'll ever understand it and believe me you will never understand it so it's a (laughs) lifelong journey
0: barb thank you so much for being on the podcast and i'm going to have links um and your bio in the show notes um that are available but thank you so much
1: thank you it's great to talk to you julie